If you got your Bibles, let's turn to Acts chapter 2. I know you're shocked we're going to Acts chapter 2 on Pentecost Sunday. We're going to start at verse 1 through 4. I'm already soaked before I even got up here. This is a problem. We have some church already. We're not done yet. Amen. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled, everybody say, it filled all of the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled, everybody say, shout, filled, filled. with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you would turn to Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. One last verse, chapter, going back to Acts chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. It says, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, if you understand what just took place, in Joel, I read a prophecy of what was to come. Joel's saying, it shall come to pass. He's going to pour out, he said, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And he had jumped to, to the New Testament in Acts chapter 2, 16 and 17. He says, but this, this, what you're experiencing is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. God's desire is to fill somebody with his spirit this morning. God's desire, and it should be our desire, to see somebody filled with the Holy Ghost in this place this morning that you can leave different that you don't have to leave the same way you came in I know you hear that all the time but it is truth you do not have to carry that baggage out that you do not have to walk out with the emptiness that this world has given you but God has given us an opportunity to be filled to the brim and overflowing with the Holy Ghost on this Pentecost Sunday if somebody wants it would you put your hands together and make some noise one more time and let God know, I want it. I want the Holy Ghost to fall in this place today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You can be seated for a few moments. I'm going to speak on this topic. Empty, no more. Empty, no more. Look at your neighbor and say, empty, no more. If you look at the Old Testament... Ancient history, look throughout human history, that throughout all the civilization of man, that you will find one cry above all other cries. It is a cry of emptiness. 
this place this morning would be a completely different atmosphere if you were not here. Trust me, last year, about this time, we started preaching and singing to empty sanctuaries. It was different. I didn't like it. There's something powerful, and, and Brother Brooks alluded to this a few times this morning already. There's something powerful when the people of God come together and are united in one mind and one accord. We allow the one God to begin to move in this place. But there's always been a cry of emptiness, a cry of there has, has to be something more than this. There are people this morning, I believe, in this world that woke up and said there has to be something more to life than this. Going through the routine of work and just doing your thing over and over and over. And then you have to wake up and say, what am I living for? What am I doing? There has to be something more than this. It is why the pharaohs built the pyramids and they took treasure there that we dig up, that we have dug up centuries later. There has to be something more was their mindset. It's why in every society there is a reach for something better. A desperate reach for something more. Sometimes it can be a good thing. It drives us as individuals to achieve things we might not be able to achieve without that mindset. It drives us to conquer. It drives us to invent. It's a good thing in many ways. But there is one way that emptiness and this drive is a horrible thing. It's not good no matter how you look at it. That this is the one way this is not good and it is spiritual emptiness. If you're empty spiritually, then spiritually you're dead. If there's no life in you, you could be functioning and doing your thing in the flesh, but spiritually you are dead. That's why there's a lot of people that I said just a, a moment ago that wake up every morning saying there's got to be something more to life than this. But there's something with us this morning that have been filled with the Holy Ghost that you can wake up on a Monday morning and when your feet hit the ground, you say, my Lord, there's nothing better than this. There's nothing greater than this. I've experienced the outpour of the Holy Ghost. I've experienced my own personal Pentecost. I know things aren't fine and things aren't perfect. I know my life could probably be a little better here on earth, but my Lord, spiritually, I am filled to the brim and it's overflowing. There is nothing greater than being filled with the Holy Ghost this morning. It is something that has existed throughout all of human history. That it, and it still exists today. And if you don't believe me, then take a look at the statistics this morning. There, there's emptiness in the world. The statistics of suicide today and the statistics of human crime and violence and abuse and a list of family issues. And there are murders and riots. Take a look at the list and you'll find out real quick that there's still a huge void in humanity. 
Ecclesiastes 1 and 2. It says, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What Solomon's saying here in this verse, what's he trying to allude in this verse? Uh, he's saying it's all vanity. It's all emptiness. Uh, the things uh, of this world cannot fulfill the emptiness inside of you. That's why you've got millionaires who are not happy. They can buy everything in the world. But I promise you, I tell you right now, that I, the richest man in the world just became Elon Musk. Anybody know who Elon Musk is? You ever heard of Tesla? He, he's, he's shipping people into space on little personal rocket ships. He's a brilliant mind. Incredibly gifted. It is creating tunnels in California that can take you from one end of the state to the other end of the state in about 30 minutes. The man does not stop. And he just became the richest man in the world. Pretty good title to hold, right? You think, I wouldn't mind that. But I promise you, I've never talked to him, but I'd like to ask him one question. You've got everything man could buy, but do you have emptiness still? Because I can introduce you to a man who's got more than you've got. And he can fill the void. Because I promise you, all the money in the world will not buy this happiness. All the money in the world can't buy salvation. All the money in the world cannot give you your personal Pentecost. You can't buy it. You cannot exchange for it. It's something you've got to just submit yourself and say, God, I want the free gift. I want it in my life. I know that if it frustrates me that to think that I can work for a lifetime and have so little to show for it. And it might frustrate you that you can work so hard to reach your dreams, to achieve great things, and in the end it's not what you and I thought that it would be. There's still going to be a void. There's still an emptiness inside of you and me. It's an emptiness because it is all just vanity. You see, Job, Job says, uh, I get it, Solomon. I understand what you're saying here. I wish I could just find God. I wish I could walk up to his throne and just simply access him. Because I feel so empty right now. And I feel so distant from God right now. I feel so far from God right now. Solomon, I get your words that you're speaking about the vanity, about the emptiness. I understand it. And it says, and, if it, and it wasn't just Job and Solomon that felt that way, but there was a cry of emptiness all throughout the Old Testament. About two-thirds of the Bible, there was a cry of emptiness and a cry of longing to be closer to God. But I stand here today to tell you on this day, 
on this Pentecost Sunday to let you know that even in the Old Testament, before there was a Pentecost, there was a God that was preparing a better way, that he was preparing his people, not only to touch him in by his spirit, not just to be led by his spirit, not only to just be moved by his spirit, not just to be guided by his spirit, not just to be blessed by his spirit, but God, but he was preparing something greater that our human mind can hardly comprehend. It's something greater than this flesh to guide and to lead and bless by his spirit. But God was preparing something much greater that you and I and all of mankind can be filled with his spirit. It was one thing for the Old Testament to be led by him. Moses said, I won't go anywhere unless you lead me, unless your spirit leads me. you got to understand something. We have an opportunity that Moses never got. Moses said, you'll lead me with your spirit. But Moses could never say, fill me with your spirit. I can say, fill me with your spirit. You are filled with his spirit. And his spirit is in you. That means every day he's leading you. Uh, every day he's guiding you. Uh, every day when you face something wrong, you can stop and throw your hands uh, in the ear, air. He says, I'll give you a refill. I'll give you a refill of the Holy Ghost every day. It's something, it's something that can take away the emptiness inside of us. It's the only thing that will fill the void within us. Something that will draw you out of loneliness. Something that will pull you out of the pits of depression. Something that will change your life. And not only change your life, but it will change your eternity. I, I wish a lot of us, uh, I wish all of us would not have life mentality. But I wish we would have eternity mentality. We, we witness to people and we say, oh, you got to come to church. It'll change your life. That might get them to come for a little bit. They get a taste of it. And maybe some of us here, maybe you, maybe you yourself, you came for a while, and then you left for a while, and then you came for a while, and you left for a while. That's because it's the life mentality. I'm looking forward to change my life here. But if you would understand uh, that here and now is going to fade away uh, as a vapor, but there's coming a day that eternity is never going to end. And if you would think about eternity, I promise you, you'd be crawling to the altar to say, I need the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost inside of me. I have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. It is not optional. My family needs it. My friends need it. My children need it. My home needs to be full of it. This church needs to be full of it. Athens needs it. Middleport needs it. This region needs it. The world needs it. Come on. Caleb needs it. Byron needs it. Who can I pour into? Who can I show that eternity is never going to end? And we must have the Holy Ghost. This is that. This is it. It's the Holy Ghost. There's nothing like it. It's nothing like it. And it's for you today. It's for you. You see, our world seems to be falling apart right before our eyes. It's because there's an emptiness that is still here. 
there's something missing. There's something missing. Listen to me. Let's listen to this. A, a friend of mine wrote this. I'm going to share it with you today. And it says, it's the Pentecostal effect on racial division. I want to talk about this for a second. It says at, at Babylon in Genesis 11 that God judged the pride of humanity by confounding their language so they, that they could not understand one another's speech. From there, languages produced cultures. Cultures produced tribes, ethnicities, and nations. And these diverse people groups began to war, all because they could not understand each other. Until, until, <laughs> there was confusion, there was division, because they couldn't understand each other, until Pentecost. It says, at Pentecost, the God who confounded human speech reunited people of different cultures and languages into one kingdom with one language, the kingdom of God and the language of the Spirit. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter where you live from the world. It doesn't matter how much money you got. I'm telling you right now, there's one language that you begin to speak that one language that you become a part of the one body. Come on, somebody needs to be adopted into the one body this morning. It doesn't matter where you're from. God's saying it's for you. It's for you. Today, more than ever, we are witnessing cultures clash and ethnic groups collide. What's the reason behind it? Because a world without the Pentecostal experience is still living under the communication curse of Babel. Until you experience the God who did the divide, you don't understand that that God brought back the unity. It used to be said that the most segregated hour in America was 10, 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings. But it is no coincidence that while most religions in the last century of America were strictly segregated at some point, the Pentecostal worship was segregated the least. The experience of Pentecost does not divide cultures. It unites people into one culture. The culture of God's kingdom. This is why the Pentecostal church is the fastest growing church in the entire world today. The answer to racial strife in America is not protest and it is not government intervention. It is not a Facebook post or a public statement. But the answer is found in reconnecting with God and receiving the same experience that the original church received at Pentecost. I'm telling you because if you are troubled about America today, then you should try a Pentecostal church. Anyone who's going to listen to this podcast, 
podcast. I'm telling you, if you're troubled and you've never experienced Pentecost for yourself, you need to find yourself a Pentecostal church and you need to find an altar and you need to say, God, I want Pentecost for myself. I want the Holy Ghost. I want an outpouring that was promised. He said, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It's coming. It's coming. Hallelujah. 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 It is no coincidence that the social collapse is accompanying this great spiritual awakening in America. Society is crying out for the manifestation of God's church. And I believe all who are hungry for God and weary of division will receive this experience of Pentecost. Pentecost, it's more than race issues. It's more than America. I like to remind us, those who were born here, raised here in America, he and his plan and his kingdom is bigger than America. It's more important than America. If America collapses to its knees tomorrow, God's kingdom will reign forever. It does not matter. If we hit our knees tomorrow, we still need an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We don't live here for money. We don't come here for jobs. We don't come here for padded pews. We don't come here for AC, but we're here because we long for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in this nation. It is the only thing that will restore this nation to what it used to be. It has to be God-centered. It's bigger than America. It's bigger than hate issues. It's more than national issues. It's more than world issues. It is a spiritual issue. It is an emptiness issue. And Joel had the answer for the issue when he said, this is that. This is that. We don't need more money. We don't need more money. So, well, Pastor, wouldn't that help us build the church? I don't need man's money. You think God needs man's money? God doesn't need man's money. That's why I've said it'd be nice. It'd be nice to be comfortable for us. Someone come write a check and just say, go build it. That'd be awesome. You got Elon Musk, Musk could probably come by all of Athens and say, here, life point's yours. Do what you want to do with it. That's not what we're here for. We, we don't need man's money. We, we, we don't need more money in our life. It might make us more comfortable here on earth. But I'm telling you, that's not what it's about. That's not what I live for. That's not going to fix emptiness. That's not going to do it. We don't need more success. We don't need more technology. We don't, we don't, we don't need more man-made uh, inventions. But what I need and what you need and what America needs and what the world needs and what this word needs. World needs is a supernatural outpouring of the Holy Ghost like never before. That's what we need. That's what we need. What we need to understand this morning is emptiness. Emptiness was God's plan all along. He said, hold on. He said, emptiness... I thought we were talking about emptiness is a bad thing. Hmm. Emptiness 
emptiness was part of his plan all along because he understands that emptiness, emptiness requires an outpouring. When you're on a hot summer day and you're working outside and your cup goes empty and you're not feeling so well, you can tip that dry cup back all day long, but it's not going to give you anything. There's no life in an empty cup. But when you make yourself, make your way to the, to the faucet and you turn that cold water on and it begins to fill up and you're so thirsty, you just let it fill to the top and just roll over the top a little bit. And then you just start chugging. And before you know it, when you, by the time the cup hits the, the counter, you feel like a new man. You're ready to go back out and work again. I'm telling you, we, we don't need any more empty cups around here. We don't need any more empty cups. We don't, need, we don't need a church full of empty saints. But what we need a church that's full of saints that is overflowing with the Holy Ghost. That when you walk out somewhere, Brother Mark, when you go out to the grocery store, you begin to bump up to people. The overflow is hitting them. When you're at work and you're sitting next to somebody, they say, what is that? It's the overflow. It's the overflow of the Holy Ghost. I can't help it. I'm full of it. And you're going to change the world around you by the overflow. <laughs> empty church and empty saints are no good to the world. It requires an outpouring. He knows a little bit about emptiness. His first miracle his first miracle, when his mama looks at him and says, hey, I need you to do something. They're out of, the wedding is out of wine, and uh, I, I need you to go take care of that. And he says, mother, it's not my time. And I love how Mary handles it. When your, your boy looks at you and says, it's not my time yet. And she just turns around to the servants and she says, do whatever he says. Jesus was, because he actually said woman, that's how he told, told his mom, he said woman, it is not my time. I would have loved to have seen her face. Like boy, I know who you are. Don't make me spank God. You know what Jesus did? He taught us a lesson. Even though he's God robed in flesh, he submitted to authority. You'll never get an outpouring in your life if you can't submit to authority. That was extra, wasn't it, my notes? All right. So here he is. She says, do whatever he tells you to do. So Jesus tells him, go get the pots. Fill it up with water. And they're probably like, what are you talking about? He says, fill the pots full of water. Fill them to the top. You know the story. They come back and they check it. And they're like, whoa, what? Hold up. He just took empty pots, filled them full of water, and turned them into wine. And they take it out. And they, they serve it. And they said, hold up. We usually serve the best wine first. But you've saved it until last. Where did this come from? He can work with emptiness. 
he can work with emptiness. An empty body. No life left. Shows up on the scene. Mary and Martha are all bent out of shape. If you would have been here, if you would have been here, my brother would not be dead. But you got to understand, when they looked at Lazarus, they saw emptiness. They saw no life. They saw nothing. They thought, this is it. It's done. But Jesus shows up four days late and still looks at the emptiness of the body and says, guess what? I know you see emptiness, but you got to understand, I'm the one who gave him life in the first place. So therefore, I can speak life back into the empty vessel. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes walking out of the grave full of life. He was empty in a second, but he was filled to the brim in the next second. He was dead in one moment, but full of life in the next moment. I'm telling you, there's somebody here today, you feel like you're a dead man walking. You feel like you've got nothing left. And Jesus is saying, I'm here. I'm on the scene. Let me speak life back into you this morning. I can pour it out from heaven, and you can Leave this place full of life today. The Virgin Mary's empty womb. Empty womb. Nothing. And here, all it takes place is the Spirit of God moves upon her. He takes an empty womb. And you got to understand, his hands are all over everything that we do in life. you got to understand, Brother Kidwell, that before Mary was ever told she was chosen, he chose her as he was creating her in her mother's womb. He's creating in the womb a womb to carry him someday. That's how powerful my God is. This empty womb, she'd never been with a man, but the Spirit of God shadows over her. And the next thing you know, the angel comes and says, you, you are going to bring forth the Savior of the world. An empty womb, I don't need man's assistance in this. God said, I can do this myself. Thirty-three and a half years later. Thirty-three and a half years later, he comes into this world. He comes in, this precious little baby, and then grows up. Thirty-three and a half years later, here he is, taken to a cross and beaten. Here he is, taken to a cold, empty, borrowed. And placed inside. And in the midst of emptiness. In the midst of emptiness. She got to understand. That wasn't the only thing empty though. There was a time. That he was taken down. As he's laying in the tomb. 
there's now an empty cross. But he's taken to an empty tomb. He, he understands, he understands a thing or two about emptiness. He understands that man's emptiness is a bad thing, but God's emptiness, God's emptiness is different. Psalms 33, 9 says, this is the difference between what you can do with emptiness and what God can do. For he spoke and it came into being. He commanded and it came to existence. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. He specializes in emptiness. He specializes in empty cross, held at the greatest sacrifice ever given. They, they emptied his life out there. They placed him in that borrowed tomb for three days. But we understand three days later, the tomb was empty again. It was empty again. And because it was empty again, today, because the cross is empty and the tomb is empty, today you have the opportunity to be filled almost done before the coming of Christ Pentecost was just a joyful Jewish festival celebrating the wheat harvest 50 days after the first fruit offering it also uh, it also was the day that Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai but the old covenant version of this holiday was just foreshadowing the great spirit uh, that it was it was kind of the that it, it occurred after the dramatic outpouring of the Holy Ghost of the first followers of Jesus. This time, the law of God was engraved on the, the tables of stone, but it was inscribed on the hearts of men this time. The first time God's word was put on the stones that Moses carried down. Remember, Moses couldn't be filled uh, at that time, but, but this time God said, I'm not going to send forth my spirit to, to come down and, and to inscribe it on stones. He said, but this time my desire is to inscribe it on in the hearts of men. That would be who we are. This time, 3,000 people didn't die because they reached out to touch the sacred mountain. 3,000 people lived because God's spirit reached out and touched them. Pentecost uh, was heaven's uh, inauguration ceremony for the church, uh, complete with rushing winds, uh, flames of fire, and an uh, an astounding display of speaking in other tongues uh, as the spirit gave the utterance. In that moment, the men and women gathered in the upper room were visibly endued with supernatural power. And 3,000 people were converted in response to Peter's preaching. What happened on Pentecost is the defining pattern for God's church then and is the pattern for God's church now. There's a reason when people say, what do you preach? I preach what the apostles preached, and I haven't changed a word of it. I haven't made it fit to me or to our church or to our people. I simply preach 
what they were commanded to preach. If they were commanded to preach it, then I'm still commanded to preach the truth today. And that's why I call it the truth, because it has not been changed. If what was spoken has not been altered, then therefore it's the truth. And the truth still needs to be heard today in this day and age. The truth is the only thing that will set us free. Acts 2, 12 through 18, it says, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea, and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it is only the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on your servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. What meaneth this, Pastor? What meaneth this? They were saying, what meaneth this, Peter? What meaneth this? He was saying, this is that. This is the outpouring that will take care of your emptiness. This is what was prophesied. This is what was promised. And this is for you. Joel just said, what God's spirit uh, would be poured out. But it was Peter who connected the dots uh, from Joel's prophecy uh, to Isaiah's prophecy. Uh, in Joel 28, 22, 28, 29, uh, he talks about it shall come to pass afterwards. I will pour out my spirit. Isaiah 28 uh, says, for, for with stammering lips and another tongue uh, that will we speak this people that whom he said this is the rest uh, wherewith ye shall cause weary to rest. Uh, he was saying there's going to be an outpouring uh, upon the people and this is why I'm excited to share with you the words today of, of from Peter in Acts 2 chapter 30 or chapter 2 verses 38 and 39 when Peter said okay it's time to tell everybody what I'm talking about and he stepped up to share this message and it says then Peter said unto them Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and ye shall be filled. Ye shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. You shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. He said it with confidence because he knew what the word already said. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And I love it. He said, listen, I'm here today to tell somebody you don't have to leave empty like you came in today. You don't have to live life empty anymore. You don't have to. God is saying, I want to pour out my promise. I want to Pour out my spirit today in this place. 
Let's all stand right now. If you want it for yourself, won't you stand right now and lift your hands. Begin to cry out to him. Won't you lift your hands up right now and say, God, I want it. Let it be a cry right now. God, I want it. Come on. I want it today, God. Pour it out upon my church. Pour it out upon my family. God, pour it out upon my marriage. God, pour it out upon my children, God. God, pour it out in this city, Lord. Pour out your spirit this morning on this Pentecost Sunday. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, is there anybody here today that you need filled with the Holy Ghost? Anybody here, you say, I've never done it. I've never received the Holy Ghost, Pastor. I've never received the Holy Ghost. If you're here today and you need the Holy Ghost, I'm going to ask you, if you would, step out in faith and walk to an altar this morning and lift your hands. And I believe God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost this morning. God's going to fill you up today. He's going to pour it out from heaven. The promise is already there. Come on. Hallelujah. Is there anybody in this place today you need a refill of the Holy Ghost? I think that would be all of us. I think that would be all of us today. Will anybody step out and say, Pastor, I'm not ashamed to step out and say, I need a refill of the Holy Ghost today. I need to be overflowing. I'm not full enough. I'm halfway full. It's almost empty. I'm running on empty. I need somebody to step out and be honest with yourself and honest with God and say, I need, I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost today. I refuse.